Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, uh, here without my co-host. Ben Bateman is back home in Seattle visiting his family because apparently he loves them which is, I guess, adorable. Instead, I have recent GP Top 8, GP Phoenix Top 8 competitor, Michael Hughes, here on Hello, the podcast. Hello, everybody. Hi. A pleasure to be here. Um, so, yeah. So, today, we're going to be talking about GP Phoenix because you Top 8'd it. So, you have literally ground floor experience about how it went down. Yeah. It was extremely exciting. I watched it the whole weekend. Um, the GP was won by Bloodbraid Elf. Uh, by a Bob flipping it and killing the, the, that the is controller. true. That is true. <laughs> uh, yep. Which was uh, yep. great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, I love watching modern. I mean, I think from a perspective, I mean, obviously, I should. I'm a co-host of a podcast about modern, but uh, I think the world agrees with me. I think viewership on modern GPs is generally higher. That's why they made this one. This GP was really not meant to be covered because they don't cover every GP anymore. Uh, and they were just like last minute being like, hey, because of the unbannings, GPs that are modern are super exciting. And anyways, we get good viewership. Let's get people to GP Phoenix. And so we got like a bonus streamed GP and it was awesome. The whole weekend was cool. Crank or KIC. KCI, KCI yep. was uh, in the top eight, which is uh, everyone, no one saw coming. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, it was crazy. Do, w- from your experience, do you th- do you have an idea of the reason that this is the tournament? It finally did well, or yeah, actually, I had a chance to talk with Matt Ness about why uh, him and Ben Whites were both playing KCI, and I just briefly asked them, and they thought that um, a lot of players would not be playing Stony Silence, and I think that ended up being true. Um, sure. Stony Sounds is the one card that deck really has a problem beating. Um, there are a few others, but basically they thought everyone would be on Jund, and that would be keep people off Affinity, and that would in turn keep people off Stony Silence, and ah. no one would really be playing white for the for the hate cards, um, so they just decided to jam it. They got some new technology. I don't know if you heard about the new like play pattern with that deck, but they basically have some tricks involving Chromatic Star that allow them to sack all their stuff at once. Uh, right, cause, so that, cause, because cause it... it I always say the card name incorrectly, but yeah. Ironworks uh, yes. doesn't use the stack to use its ability. So it's able to yes. respond to things in a way exactly. that is uh, kind of breaking the rules of magic. Yes. Faster <laughs> than instant speed or so to speak, um, like paying the cost speed. So they're able to kind of do everything without their opponent ever being able to respond. Exactly. And so they're, exactly. they're really resistant to kind of instant speed hate against their deck. And yeah. so that allows them to go off and... Without that, I think that you know figuring that out really helped. And Stony Silence being really soft this last weekend because of what you said made it kind of uniquely positioned. It, we we always love when these types of decks kind of happen, where like, oh, none of these cards are new. Every single one of these cards has been legal and modern for almost its entire history. You know, it happened with Death Shadow Jund and Death Shadow Grixis, where it was like, oh, this is just better than the Death Shadow decks we were playing, or Jund was. Why didn't we figure this out before? It happened with Summer Bloom decks. It happened with um, Lantern Control. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And all of them are just like, oh, all these bad cards together are good. Uh, It's kind of the best thing about modern. Um, Yeah, I love it too. So before before we get into what deck you played and the deck tech on that and then your GP report, I I do have, we have uh, some shout outs and and, uh, as 
listeners of the podcast know, we used to do all the shout-outs at once. Now we spread them out through the episode because we'll have little segments, but to do the first ones, uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter. We are at the MMCast. I am at Kess Wiley. Ben is at Ben Bateman Media. And you can find me at Heidi Ho Gaming on Twitter. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can also make sure to check out our Patreon. It's how we pay for all the stuff. If you go to Patreon and search the MM Caster Masters of Modern, you'll check that out. We really appreciate all your help. Um, so with that and those two first shout outs, let's get into the deck tech. What deck did you play? I chose to play Red Green Eldrazi, which had already won a modern GP not too long ago, uh, played by Gregor Kowalski over in Europe. I'm not sure exactly which city the GP was in, but um, his version of the deck played all the same cards I was playing, which is basically the most of the busted Eldrazi creatures, Mattery Shaper, Thought Not Seer, Reality Smasher. But he was playing three main deck Scavenging Ooze, one main deck Birds of Paradise, and two Endbringers in the main. I swapped out four of those cards and played the latest busted red-green creature, uh, Yield Bloodbraid Elf. So ah, the good old Eldrazi Bloodbraid Elf. Combo. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, people did kind of think, you know, it, it kind of is just a pile of really efficient cards and two for ones, uh, and the best removal uh, in modern and dismember and lightning bolt. Um, but the deck uh, definitely is a beatdown deck with Bloodbraid in there. You really attack for a ton of damage very quickly, is how I found the deck to play. And Gregor's version of the build, um, he was trying to kind of play more like a Jun game. He's trying to win with Endbringer and a big scavenging ooze and kind of grind people out. Whereas my version of the deck really just attacked for a ton of damage. Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, that's kind of what happens when you put in a cascady thing that cascades into five fives and four fours. And yeah, three exactly. And things that are way bigger than they deserve to be. Yeah, <laughs> yes. And you're playing, you know, the full normal hierarchs for the, the busted uh, starts of just having like a green mox, basically. Mm -hmm. And then also you have the Eldrazi temples in the deck that act as the modern city of traders or whatever, if you will. Uh, that allows you to just get a way bigger guy than you're supposed to have way earlier than you should have it. Sure. Uh, you are the second. Uh, person at Heidi Ho to top eight anything with uh, uh, an Eldrazi deck and specifically with Eldrazi Obligator. Is that correct? That is correct. That is correct. There is a little bit of a lineage of using Eldrazi Obligator <laughs> to, <laughs> to do well at tournaments uh, at Heidi Ho. It's, so, it's quite funny. So to those who don't know, Andrew Brown now works at Wizards. Yeah. Yep, I, he Tour, used, to, he eight, used yeah. to work for and manage uh, Heidi Ho, and um, that was passed along down the line, and I do the same yep. thing now. And so uh, it, it is pretty funny. Um, our, our our old boss actually messaged me that it's hilarious that Eldrazi Obligator has been the the linking <laughs> <laughs> the linking creature between the two uh, the two players. Yeah, Heidi Ho Heidi Ho Comics in Santa Monica is yeah. the place to get good at magic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, being surrounded by cards and players all the time, it just helps uh, yeah. immerse yourself in the game. Um, and also, there's a you know a big supportive community there that I owe a huge thanks to, and uh, we had a little party the other night for our weekly modern night um, just to celebrate the victory. So yeah, yeah, it was cool. So how did you go about choosing? Um, so uh, the way I ended up choosing the deck was I had played um, Eldrazi Tron almost exclusively in modern leading up to the tournament, but I hadn't been playing that much modern, and so. Bloodbraid Elf and Jace got unbanned, and I hadn't really played enough mm -hmm. reps with the new format to really feel comfortable. Um, so I was going to lean on Eldrazi Tron and just play what I know, and I feel like that's the biggest strength you can have for a modern, like a, for choosing a modern deck. Uh, however, uh, friends of mine and the whole shop kind of like were 
were telling me, you know, they didn't think it's a good a good weekend for Eldrazi Tron. Like Death Shadows on the decline, Chalice isn't as strong um, as it once was, yeah. and so they were telling me just play all the busted Eldrazi cards that you'd play in Eldrazi Tron, but get Ancient Stirrings, Lightning Bolt, and Bloodbraid Elf, and a Noble Hierarch. Yeah. And wow, what's the worst that can happen? Uh, I was between Eldrazi Tron and Titan Shift with Bloodbraid Belfs in it as like, if I had never talked to anybody else about what I would play, I would probably end up playing Titan Shift with Bloodbraid Elves. Um, but after talking to a bunch of people, they all had tested the deck and they urged me to try it. And so I sleep up the deck Thursday night, go drive out to Phoenix, six hour drive and mm-hmm. then arrive there and just start jamming uh like basically leagues sure. on friday the day before just to try and get comfortable with the deck and i only lose one match the entire day which was like uh eight actual league matches like uh that you pay an entry fee for and then like two casual matches on the side i only lost to burn the entire day and so i felt super comfortable right. after that yeah 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 and so i just, just just i was locked in at that point decided i agonized over a few more cyborg cards and uh and that was it that was how i got there so would you say that red green eldrazi is right now the probably the best position due to the fact that it's taking advantage of the powerful cards in those colors than other eldrazi decks that are out there or you know i think it's hard i think each of the eldrazi deck variants like like blue uh Blue green Eldrazi, Pant Eldrazi, yeah. um, and red green, and then colorless. I think they all kind of do something different. I think red green is the most explosive and has the best top decks, shall we say? Sure. And people were talking about that at the tournament that when Jun's everywhere and everyone's trying to get Hellbent and Jun's top decking Bloodbraid Elf and you're not, it's, you're probably going to lose. But my deck. I'm top decking Reality Smasher, Endbringer, and Bloodbraid Elf, Bloodbraid Elf yeah, <laughs> Mattery Shaper, you know, and and the Active Treason guy, mm-hmm. and so it's it's very um, it's very conducive to just like going over at, the top, yeah, and, going over the top and top decking well, right. which is great. Plus, your deck is like extremely resilient to most of the major played removal in the format right now. Yes. Like most things are either they gain you value off of Bolt or are Bolt proof. You have a ton of Fatal Push proof things or yep. things that gain you value regardless if they push your thing yep and they have to work to push it they need the fetch land to really get to you yep and path is good against you but you have reality smasher and thought not seer to kind of punch them on it and bloodbraid elf is resilient to path too because it buys you know you get a land and a crude thing and they get rid of your bloodbraid elf and yes. so with those kind of being the main things you're facing against in the format how are people really going to be able to stop the beatdown? Classically, it's, it's really hard. It's like like you know, a bunch of wraths is bad for me, mm-hmm. and a bunch of like graveyard combo being everywhere. Like I like if, if I had played against Grizzle Shoal, a competent pilot, and they had drawn pretty well, I think you know that's a rough matchup for my deck. You're I not going to Eldrazi Obligator. Uh, I mean, uh, Grizzle, Grizzle not on the turn to kill me. No, <laughs> I, it'd be cool, but uh, I I think you know. Um, the other strength of the deck that really sold me is that I won a lot of post board games because I can ancient stirrings for all these powerful colorless hate cards sure. that are exist in modern you know relic cage and um crumble the dust and there's another one uh, engineered explosives are all yeah. just like super potent uh hate cards that some decks just can't beat so that's like an interesting conversation that keeps happening and and uh, I obviously have my opinions on it but I'm yeah. interested to hear yours is is ancient stirrings is currently pretty easily stated the best cantrip in the format uh i don't think anyone really disagrees with that statement uh and you're nodding your health head and giving a thumbs oh, yeah. up you're on a podcast <laughs> no one can see you <laughs> yeah yeah uh, i totally agree with that <laughs> um and you know people have said is this card bannable you know that comes up and that happens every time a deck does well people want a card from it being banned which is 
very reactionary. Um, and I don't think Wizards would do that just from the perspective that I think a lot of decks just straight up die if you get rid of Ancient Stirrings. I would agree. Um, where are you at on the power level of Ancient Stirrings? Should it see more play in other decks? What's it doing in the format right now? Um, I think Ancient Stirrings is a necessary evil for a lot of decks to exist, like you said. I think um, what made it exacerbated is that Walking Ballista got printed for Tron, making Mono Green Tron even better. The mm-hmm. fact that you can find that. They keep printing good cards that are colorless mm-hmm. that happen to lie in the Ancient Stirrings you know, bandwidth because the ancient stirrings just ends up finding it. And they don't think about that when they're printing crumble to dust or they're printing, you know, uh, walking ballista. Uh, so I think like, I think the deck, I, th- I think the card makes decks um, possible. And I think, I think it's totally, totally fair to still exist. It's just some decks like my deck exploited a little more than others. It makes my deck way more consistent than it maybe ought to be. Sure. I'm playing four soul lands, but you know, with four ancient stirrings in the deck, I'm playing way more than that. Did your deck play? You didn't play Urzatron as well, right? You just no, played no. The it, was, it was not Urzatron at all. It was okay. just um, Carpus and Forest and Groves and um, and uh, Cavern of Souls to, for Got for it. colored sources. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think ancient stirrings is a powerful card, and I think there might have been twelve copies of it in the top eight, if I'm remembering. I think Matt Nass played it. I can't quite remember. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did, but we can check on that. Yeah, I'll but there was at least Tron, Mono Green Tron, and myself playing four copies of Ancient Stirrings. Um, I'm trying to think of the other top eight deck lists. I don't think... I'm not sure. It, it would seem to me that it could fit into Crockline Ironworks, but Matt Nass might have been playing. He might not have been. Uh, Junt? Ironworks combo is mm-hmm. the one we're debating on. Yeah. It did play four Ancient Stirrings. All right, so there were 12 copies of it in the top eight, Yeah, which, you know, that's something definitely to note. Um Bring the lightscape shift did not. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. This, I mean, so we'll get into the top eight at, sure. the, at the tail end. Um, the last thing in this section of the podcast before we do more shout outs is, yeah. uh, so you mentioned you lost a burn. Uh, what And, and Grishel Brand was something that you were afraid of. What would you say your like worst matchups are playing the deck? You know, I, I would say out of the top five modern decks, the one that I was scared of the most was probably humans. Okay. Um, they have a really fast clock and a very disruptive element that um, stops me from playing my traditional game. And if they ever cast a Reflector Mage against me, it is so hard to win. Sure. It sure. is so hard. They, like, bounce my Thought Knots here. They draw a card. I can't cast it again. And then, like, they have three Phantasmal Images on top of that to copy whatever. So... It's a really hard matchup, and I only okay. had to, I had to play against it twice, which is you know um, I think what I should expect at a GP at least. Were those your two losses for the tournament? I actually beat one okay. on day one, and then I lost to it uh, in the top eight. Yeah. Um, and then what would you say some of your so you'd say your burn matchup is okay? I would say my burn matchup is also terrible, but okay. I played the two kitchen finks and another skews in the sideboard to hopefully help alleviate the matchup a little bit. Sure. Um, and then what would you say your best matchups are? My best matchups are any of the slower mid-range to late-game decks that are trying to either go over the top of me. Like, I felt like the Tron matches were pretty free for me. Mm -hmm. And then I also felt like Jund did not do very well against me. I even think um, I played against a couple Storm opponents, and they all felt like I was favored, which does not seem intuitive um, because my clock is so fast and that um, I have a lot of removal for their mana guys, their mana dorks Mm -hmm. in Baral and Goblin Electromancer. And... Uh, I can find my hate pieces yeah. so so easily. So yeah, that yeah. makes sense. It, it makes sense that like Storm is really good at capitalizing on someone that takes longer than turn four to kill them, and if they can do that and then survive the the interaction they're playing, 
uh, they're going to capitalize on it. But if they can't and someone kills them quicker than they go off. Exactly. I'm um, not giving them any turns. Right. Yeah. Um, awesome. Okay. So, so before we get into a full-on GP tournament report, um, I also want to throw out more shout-outs because that's how this works now. Uh, make sure to check out The Command Zone, our sister podcast. Uh, they also uh, have a show called Game Nights, which is them playing. It's like a, a, a full-on production Camera crews, editors, Magic the Gathering, gameplay on YouTube. Go check it out right now. It's all at collected.company. Um, and cool. All right. Now we're going to talk about the GP report. Uh, you kind of talked about your GP method before getting in there, which was just pick a deck at random. <laughs> no, <up>. no. <laughs> to be fair, I'd played Red Green Eldrazi during Eldrazi Winter with Eye of Ugin in it. And I was okay. playing like Kozlex Returns and World Breakers. Um, and that deck was really busted. Right. Uh, this deck is trying to emulate that as best as possible, but in a more fair way. Okay. Just no Eye of Ugin. Um, and then, so do you have any like pre-GP good luck charm habits like drink a lot of water beforehand well, I, food I that you always to, like to eat i have like in between round habits and i have a crew of people that i travel to gps with that we always arrange stay and are have like a supportive group together mm-hmm. and that really helps having a group to like bounce ideas off of and um they can support you and you can support them just in, in case you're feeling doubtful or if uh, you're not sure about a card choice they can give you ideas that really helps um the other thing i do is i do drink a ton of water on the day of the gp i also um, always bring like a giant jar of just like mixed nuts that I have at me, sure. with me on, at all times. So I'm just snacking throughout the day. That's like my, my only rituals. Those are both really good. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, we had an episode of like health before GP or during a tournament. And yeah. like basically the big takeaway was drink as much water as possible. Yeah. Um, that's probably true in life. The more water yeah. you drink, the better off you're going to be. Hydration uh, and super important. Nuts are definitely one of the best kind of like through a consistent snack that's not like pizza or all the other kind of crud that they have at a, G- a convention hall like yeah. it's something that's going to be a little bit healthier and keep energy going yeah okay so day one what's you you know first matchup how's it go uh it is uh blood moon tooth and nail which uh is terrible for me actually it is not good if he ever goes turn two or turn three or turn three really blood moon so I luck out. Um, he, unfortunately, it's his first GP. He's won a, a last chance qualifier, oh, okay. which means he has two buys, but he earned them the day before on Friday. Sure. Um, but he, he, he draws eight cards on accident. Oh. And the ruling for this is you can go to six, and that's fine. Like, you get six and a scry. It's close to seven anyway. And, or you can let your opponent look at your hand and choose a card to take from it. Oh. He opts to let me do that, which okay. I don't recommend to anybody. And so... But what he didn't realize, I think he thought it was a Thoughtseize that I could take a non-land card. He, I could take any card. Sure. So he had two forests, and he was on the uh, – I believe he was on the play. Uh, so I took, I took a forest, uh-huh. and he didn't draw a second land. Oh, that's so that, brutal. So that was, that was unfortunate for him. He had like two – we actually had a game of it because he had two of the uh, – I think it's Utopia Sprawl, the one-mana enchantment. But okay. uh, anyways, he, he loses that game, and then – So he, that, was that more of a Ponza deck then? That was a it was Red Green Ponza? It was not Ponza. Ponza. Oh, okay. It was Tooth and Nail. He um, – Crack like Cage does into, nothing either. Yeah, he, yeah. he just – Tries to get you with Emrakul and Xenagos. Uh, he also had tireless trackers and obstinate bailouts to grind. He got me game two uh, with Kessie Wolf Run on a giant tracker. And then game three, I killed him with um, just giant Eldrazi before he could set up anything. Cool. Got it. Yeah. And then uh, so the next round was Serum Powder Eldrazi. 
Okay. Which was kind of crazy. We also went to game three. He did some cool things where he like he went to six and then like went to six three times by mulliganing a couple sure. times. So he really like drew two cards because he exiled two of the Serum. uh the scourge or whatever oh, it's sure. called. The guy that gets exiled and you cast it for three from exile. And Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. So he mulliganed a six but really had eight cards in hand because he had the two Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scourge is the name. Um in exile. It was pretty cool. It, their games were super close. And he can sometimes be more explosive than me in that he has uh, four mimics that he can uh, make really big. Sure, yeah, and yeah. And then um, blast me with. Uh, but I won that it's one. The more, it's, the, it's the version of the deck that is easy to interact, easier to stop, but can yes. be more explosive if exactly. they stumble. Exactly. And, and Bloodbraid Elves really came in handy in that matchup and that I was able to cascade into Bolt and kill some of his smaller guys. Uh, we, I was at one life game three and barely won that one. Um, the next round was Mono Green Tron. Uh, this match, uh, I can only sum up, and he cast Ulamog against me. I still had uh, six mana. I Bloodbraid Elfed, got, uh, hit Obligator off the Cascade, <laughs> and had the Colorless to pay to steal his Ulamog and uh, killed him with it. And uh, that's how that match went. That's <laughs> um, brutal. Yeah, and also games two and three against Tron just feels so easy because you board in the artifact destruction. Sure. And you can kill their O-Stone in Expedition Map with Natural State or Ancient Grudge, and they just have a hard time setting up. Uh, then it was Jund, round six. And I didn't. I don't have any memories of this match other than he played some smaller guys than me. A lot of my matchups end up playing like this. They played smaller guys than me, and I just killed them and then killed them with my gigantic Bigger guys. guys. Yeah. yeah. And... They just don't really have a chance. It feels pretty unfair a lot of the time. Uh, then round seven was Hollow One against Max McVitie, and that was a very close match. He um, he kept Goblin Loring and, fa- and Burning Ink querying me. Notably, he he Burning Ink me game one, and I discarded all my lands. And so it, that was Ooh. a rough one. I just said go, and <laughs> it was not not nice. Um, but he he won game one. And then I was able to cage and relic him out of the next games two and three. Okay. Uh, and would, then, you, would you say? Yeah. Because you mentioned that graveyard decks are kind of difficult for you to interact with. It is. Is yeah. is because Hollow One went from being nowhere to yes. everywhere. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it's kind of the same as uh, what Prize Amalgam did for Jund, where it's just like, oh, free four fours and three threes is really good. Yeah. Uh, how? Because they're also kind of the other beefy guy in the in the in the room. How difficult is that matchup for you? And is there any specific things you'd keep in mind while playing against it? Um, yeah, I think the matchup can be difficult depending on how explosive their start is. Uh, generally, uh, if you know you want to hope to line up your dismember against one of their bigger guys early. Uh, I luckily did that. I was able to dismember a fish and dismember a hollow one um, during our matches, but generally I would say chump blocking is favored for you mm-hmm. um, just because you're you're eventually going to have giant guys too and they don't really have ways to grind other than keep bringing back blood gas or flame wake phoenix and they don't really want to block with either of those. Sure. So, well, one can't, but uh, basically you end up ra- you chump block until you end up racing and your deck's really good at racing with four bolt and a bunch of haste threats. Right. It's also, you a, a little a, bit a draws reach. the obligators great against them. Yeah. If you ever draw that card so if you buy some time i think you you might end up being actually favored in the matchup okay um so yeah that's hollow one and then uh round eight so i was 7-0 i had beaten that is the best like being 7-0 already i was the best i've ever done right. in any gp and then i'm playing i go up the last round it's against zan syed on humans he's a very good player and has been playing humans a lot um but he cast some cards against me that i had 
never expected to face in modern. One was Yisan the Wandering Bard. Oh, sick. Which was insane. <laughs> I was like, I read the card. I mean, I know what it did from right. Commander. And then, I, and then I read it and I was like, oh my God, this, this is great in his deck. Mm-hmm. He goes and finds like basically, and it's like yeah, birthing If you pod, don't kill it, human. you lose. Yeah, it's, yeah. it was crazy. Um, luckily. Is it? Is it I forget if it's any. Uh, I believe it's creature CMC. Yeah. I believe it's creature CMC. It, you pay two and a green. It's a two and a green, two three human rogue, and you pay two and a green and tap it to go find a creature. You put a, a verse counter on them. And you go find a creature equal to the number of verse counters in CMC and put it onto the battlefield. It could be power, but I'm pretty sure it's CMC. No, yeah, it's it's a uh, put a verse counter on Yasan the Wanderer Bar, your library for a creature card with converted mana cost equal to the number of verse counters on Yasan. Put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. He is a two-three human rogue, yeah. legendary creature. So, so it goes. They find Sick. Champion of the Parish, <laughs> and then they go find Thalia's Lieutenant, and then they go find Mantis Rider, and then they go find the other card that he played against me, which was Hostage Taker, Ooh. which was messed up because in the board he had boarded into Selfless Spirit against me to save his guys from Lightning Bolt mm-hmm. or Anger or Anger, I believe. Well, that's like it's crazy how now Wizards needs kind of like how they like have now started paying attention to equipment or other things that there are like older cards that they need to be maybe worried about breaking. Like every human they print is super relevant now. <laughs> it is true. Um, it's absolutely true. Uh Kitesail Freebooter really made the deck, yeah, you know, like a real thing. What it is yeah. and, and unclaimed territory. Um it 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 felt a uh, really bad game 1. I think the matchup's terrible. I I punted game 1 as well. It didn't feel great about. It. I should have attacked with an obligator to hit him just for 4 and maybe trade with a reflector mage. Mm-hmm. Um but didn't win that that one and then games 2 and 3 I just kind of drew enough removal to stabilize and then my guys were just bigger than his guys as the deck tends to play out reality smasher is a hell of a card and uh killed him and he uh he had selfless spirits out in a hostage taker stealing my i think thought not seer and so but i had the dismember to go through the selfless spirit okay. protection of indestructibility and that's how i went 8-0 and i was i was uh you were 8 day one at a GP. Yeah, How's man. it feel? Uh, it felt great. And, uh, yeah, everyone, all my friends were just, you know, one match at a time. You just got to go 1-0 yeah. each time. And that's what I did. Uh, how, how do you feel about the, like, what was probably the be- your your favorite matchup of the day? On day one, it was definitely, the highlight was for sure stealing Ulamog yeah. with an obligator. Coolest moment and coolest the cascade. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was absurd. Sweet. Um, once that happened, I was like, I know you have to run well to, to win G, to do well at GPs. And uh, I was... I was running well at that point. Yeah. Uh, so day two, um, any, you know, what did you do after day one? How do you get ready for the second day? You're probably exhausted at that point. I was exhausted. Uh, I did not get enough sleep. I recommend to everybody getting uh, a full night's rest uh, for GPs. I unfortunately did not. And uh, what we did was we went and got food at a really nice pizza place out in Phoenix. I think it's called Pizzeria Bianca. Uh, really, really good restaurant. And then we just relaxed in our hotel to share it to next door and um, just hung out and took it easy. And everyone was congratulating me on because the deck was a combined. I think we had four losses between three of us. I was eight. Oh, wow. Another guy was seven and one and another guy ended up X two. So it was, um, it was pretty nice. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 Um, so that was, that was uh, what we did after day one, day two, you wake up, you're not rested. I'm not uh, very well rested. Eight, eight I was pretty oh. nervous. You got a day of of matches ahead of you. Yep. Uh, what's what's your first match? What, what, uh, how's it going? First Where thing, coffee before oh, anything for, else. Okay. 
every time. And the, but uh, the first match was against a fellow SoCal grinder. Um, his name's Tyler Horsepool. He's a really nice guy. But he was on Storm. He was also Edo. So uh, yeah, that makes sense. You're Edo. Yeah, so Edo. <laughs> I lose. I lose the die roll, and he goes off turn three against me. He goes. He plays a two. He plays. Uh, Goblin Electromancer, and he has one mana left over and goes off, and I lose. I was very impressed. Uh, that's a good hand from Storm. And then games two and three. Games two, he mulliganed to four. Uh, Storm with 17 lands can mulligan a little bit more than it used to, and the deck doesn't mulligan that well. And then game three, I relic and cage him, and he has a hard time winning. He he makes a really cool play, though. I don't know if we have time to mention individual plays, but sure. he... Yeah, um, we got time. Cool. He... Uh, he cast Pass in Flames, and I have Relic out, and I um, think for, for a while, his graveyard's pretty full of spells he's, he's cast so far, uh, just cantrips and stuff and a few rituals, and he, I exile the graveyard in response to the ritual, and he has two mana left over, but no uh, Baral or Electromancer, and what he ends up doing is he goes off a little bit in response to the, me exiling everything with Relic. He goes Ritual, Ritual, Manamorphose. Uh, he lets the Relic resolve, and then he goes Ritual, Ritual, Manamorphose, uh, and has more stuff in the graveyard to flash back and almost goes off just off that. What I should have done is waited for the first ritual and then exile it in response so that he didn't have enough mana to keep casting stuff from his hand. Sure. Um, but that was my mistake. And uh, luckily, he did, not, he did not get to go off, but that was a close call. Um, and so I ended up winning that one. Um, and that was 9-0. And then uh, I was at table one and played against Affinity, which uh, went to three games. Nothing really remarkable other than, you know, I drew my removal in game two. I lost game one pretty easily, drew my removal in game two and just hit him really hard. And then game three, um, I keep an interesting hand on the draw against Affinity. It's uh, Grove, Bolt, and Noble Hierarch. And then, like, three creatures that are, like, Matter Reshaper, Matter Reshaper, or something else. And, um, you know, people thought it was pretty close on the Mulligan keep mm -hmm. uh, the philosophy. I kept other people might have Mulligan just because I have cards like Natural State, Ancient Grudge, and Engineered Explosives, which are perhaps a little more powerful than Mulligan Correct. too. Um, but I lost that one. Um, that was round ten. So interesting. So yeah. so a tournament that everyone thought Affinity was bad for. Yeah. Was a well, and that's how Affinity works. Is everyone yeah. forgets Affinity will be good, so yeah. it, that's good. But and so it went. 10 and 0 then. It did go 10 and 0. I, mean, I, I know that guy finished um I think his name's Shane. He finished 12 and 3. Okay. Um so he did very well and there were a couple other affinity players towards the top. It's just basically how, you know, how much do you think you can beat Jund with affinity? Correct. Like if you if you think they're not playing Estonian like one or two K commands isn't enough or and all the bolts and abrupt decays, if you think you can get past that with say Edge Champion and you can play well enough then yeah, play pick up the deck yeah, and play yeah. it. There was definitely very little Sony silence, so that's yeah. that's great for the deck. Well, um, except yeah. KCI just <laughs> dominated. That, so. that is that is true. That is true. Things uh, might change now. Um, and then round eleven, mm -hmm. uh, I played against Green White Hate Bears, which I thought was Kiki Core when I played against it because I didn't know. Sure. Uh, I didn't see Aether Vial until the last game, but he uh, he was basically a Green White. He made top eight, and he was a Green Green White Hate Bear beatdown deck. He's playing mm -hmm. Restoration Angel, Flicker Wisp, uh, Voice of Resurgence, and then all the Hate Bears. Um, Thalia. This was. Uh... Tate, Tate Donovan. Uh, Donovan, yeah, he's a really nice guy, um, and really crisp play. And Near he Crusader. Just, yeah, <laughs> land destruction is also something my deck has a hard time with. So even when they're ghost courting your temple or ghost courting your mm -hmm. colored sources, it's it's a it's a rough time. So I lost there. Do you play a waste? 
Say it again. Did you play One Waste or not? I did not. I did not. Would you maybe play a waste in the future, knowing Blood Moons and... You know, I thought about it. My hedge about that was um, if Field of Ruin becomes the most popular card in modern, I think you for sure play a waste. Yeah. Uh, if um, Which it I doesn't, think it's becoming. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's it's a, a four dollar uncommon. Yeah, it's, it's a great card. Yeah. Um, I was thinking that uh, the Mind Stones would be enough to get me colorless through okay. Blood Moon, and that's why I didn't play a wastes. I wanted to at least have a basic to search for that was green, so I could find Ancient Stirrings. Sure. Um, but yeah, that was round 11. I lost easily 0-2 to sure. the K-Pairs. Okay. Uh, round 12 was another hollow one player, and it went almost identically. They did not win game one. Uh, I just chump blocked enough to stabilize and then killed him before he could, because they don't really have that much of a late game. Mm-hmm. And then uh, games game two, I just caged and relicked him out, and he couldn't really sure. do anything. Uh, the next round, so that's that's me. I started off the day one and two, and then one against Hollow One, which felt good. So at that point, I am, uh, let's see, eight zero. I am ten and two. Yeah, you lost and two. I've lost two. What I lost your... to Affinity and I lost to Hate Bears. Oh, Hate Bears, correct. Yeah. Okay. And then I play against Mono Green Tron again. Uh, this time it goes almost identically. He, my opponent, unfortunately makes a mistake and he pluses Karn when he should have killed one of my two three-powered threats on the board. Okay. And he was at nine. So instead of that, I attack him for six, ignore the Karn. Him. Yeah, and then he didn't draw a removal spell for the other one and he just died when he was at three life to a, uh, an obligator. Uh, so and then game two, I just artifact destruction, kill his map, kill his O-Stone, kill him. Uh, that was a win. And then round 14 was my first feature match ever uh, against Kiki Cord. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was pretty nerve-wracking. It came down to game three. He kept a one-lander with a bird, and I killed the bird. Always bolt the bird. Uh, and it worked out. I He didn't draw second land for one turn, but then he did, and we had a game of it. But Triple Thought Not into Reality Smasher tends to win most games, and that's how that went. Uh, and then I was, I believe... Th- uh, Let's see. What was my record? I was twelve and two at that point. So now you're thirteen and two because you were twelve and no, two. No, I, I was twelve and two after beating Kiki Core. But I was okay. in the unique situation of having the best breakers in the room, and I was at table two in the pairings for the, for round uh, fifteen, okay. which means I was able to ID and be locked for eighth place. Okay, so um, you so you you at that point just I just I just intentionally drew and one got one got lunch and was ready for top eight and was super happy super relieved that I could draw into top eight I yeah was, yeah it was so nerve wracking to know you have a win in uh, for something that you've been trying to qualify for for the pro tour um, I was really happy to be able to draw I was very relieved I was also pretty tired at this point yeah yeah so. All right. So before we get into the top eight, uh, last bit of shout outs. Yes. Uh, we, you know, uh, one, we have a Facebook group. Uh, you guys should all go to it. It's where all of the modern conversations are happening. Uh, Hagen Kirk is the main moderator there. He does a great job. We're there as well. If you have a cool deck idea or you want to get some uh, advice on a deck you've been playing, it's a great place to post co- uh, information to get some good feedback. Uh, also, uh, Ben has brought back 10 minutes of uh, magic. So we, he, you know, he was doing it on the Anchor app. The Anchor app has decided to move away from magic and is, he's doing a movie show for them so if you want to see nerds in suits movie reviews go to anchor but if you want to get 10 minutes of magic uh or 10 minutes of modern go to the wizardry foundry page we also post it to the facebook page so either of those places you'll get it he does uh 10 minutes every day of magic content go check it out it's awesome um and last but not least check out cast.co it's a website it's the website for the company that i started uh we have games and spring summer toys uh, super party battle is the main game we launched right there you can buy it right now on amazon uh or you can check out all the balls and hoops and other stuff that we have there which are really cool um and now finally you've reached a top eight at a gp you've worked 
your ass off playing magic for the last X amount of years and yeah. you've now achieved kind of the first step to, to professional play. How does it feel? Uh, it feels great. Uh, I am kind of in a surreal mindset and just like thinking I felt like at the time, you know, you, you expect to have done something special or something different or some kind of insight uh, before you get hit your success um, like milestone. And I didn't do anything different. You know what I'm saying? I, I just yeah. played the exact same magic that I usually play, and things just kind of broke my way a little more. Mm -hmm. And I chose a good deck for the weekend and um, played a format I was comfortable playing uh, and cards I was comfortable playing, and it just ended up working out for me. And it, it felt great. It felt like I was at the top eight of like a PPTQ, like a 30-man tournament. I was just like, oh, I can ID. Oh, all right. I'll just, you know, I'm in the top <laughs> eight of like a 30-man tournament, except this is a you know 1400-man tournament yeah. approximately. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, remember when like 1400 GP size GPs was like unheard of? Yeah. And it was like, oh man, it was huge. There were 700 people there. Yeah. Ugh. Magic has grown. It's great. Magic has grown. Magic um, has grown. Modern so is popular. It is popular. That's yeah. the best part of it. Is yes. I, I, in the last three years, modern has become, I believe, the most popular professional format. Absolutely, and, I think. Um, you know, commander has become the most popular format. And part of this Absolutely. is just standard has been the problematic format it has, and obviously they're putting a lot of work to kind of overcome that. But mm -hmm. because of that, and because just I think. You know, the other half of it is the new player influx into Magic hasn't grown as much. While that huge leap, all of those people have... Because, you know, I've, the Magic path is a lot of like, oh, you start with uh, casual decks, and mm -hmm. you maybe draft some, and then you get enough cards to have a bad standard deck. And, mm -hmm. then, and then you're like, oh, I'm going to invest in a good standard deck. Or like, mm -hmm. you, the rotation happens, you're like, oh man, I've been playing Magic for this entire standard. So now I like actually have been drafting all these formats, so I have a collection to build a real standard deck. Gonna do it. And then you invest in it, and then it rotates, and you're like... Damn it. <laughs> yep. um, That's the cycle that happened uh, to me. And well, all these cards, I, I guess I have these four thought seasons that I got in Theros, or I have these five, exactly. the, all these Eldrazi cards that just rotated, or I have Liliana, the Last Hopes, and Emeralds and, and stuff. What deck can I invest in that still uses these expensive cards? Like, well, modern. Exactly. And then you get into that, and you start grinding, and then one day you top eight a GP. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, it, it's been crazy. Uh, and fortunately, they, they break the power level of standard enough times recently that some of the cards you play in standard will make it into modern. Either the Eldrazi, Felidar Guardian, Sahili. Right. You know, there's just been enough cards that have made their way into modern from standard that you can easily transport Oh, almost every way. set. I mean, we do set reviews. Every set that comes yeah. out and almost every single time, like, it, it, it consistently, there are cards from every set that are a big deal in modern. Absolutely. It, like, even, even you know, uh, Ixalan, uh, Kaitsu Freeboater. Oh, Kaitsu yeah. Freeboater has won Huge. multiple GPs. Yeah, and the guy, that, the guy that won the GP that I lost to in top eight, um, which we'll get to in a second. Yep. He uh, uh, he was running a main deck spoilers. Dire Fleet Daredevil. <laughs> yeah, spoilers. Sorry, guys. Um, he was running a main deck Dire Fleet Daredevil, right. uh, which is you know right from Rivals. I mean, look know? at like Shadows over Innistrad block. Like we we did like a poll of like what sets were the most influential or blocks of the last five years, and like Shadows over Innistrad is crazy high. Yeah. You have Prize of Malgrim, you have Grim Flare, you have Liliana, you Draven have Inspector. Draven Inspector. You have there's like crazy things that are coming out in every standard set. So like. They are doing a good job of printing new, interesting, powerful things to come out, and yes. Dominaria is going to do the same. And, yes, and I'm, I'm much more from the school of thought. I'd rather them take risks and make right. interesting cards right. than be too safe and make boring cards. So, um, so, so you're getting into your GP. Yes. This is, uh, you know, you, you're you're seated eighth. Yep. Because uh, of the the ID. 
Uh, you're against Stephen Locke, who's playing humans. Yep, your, I am. Your worst matchup. It's, yes, you, you <laughs> it's beat terrible. it once. You beat it once so far. I beat the it once. Okay, very luckily. So your other the your other loss is also Greenway. You didn't. Luckily, you didn't play against Tate because nope. he. You already lost to him, so yep. you know it's a bad matchup. So yep. you have a chance. Yep, you're running hot. How's it go? Uh, it feels good. I I know Stephen Locke from Minneapolis. I was also at Minneapolis where he went undefeated in matches. Mm-hmm. He did not lose a match in Minneapolis winning with Mono Black Zombies. I happen to know this. And he did not have any buys. So he went 16-0 the hard way oh. at that tournament. And that was absurd. And so I know this guy's really good. I have never been in a feature match area. Before. Like This is my second time ever in the sure. same tournament. I'm a little bit nervous and a little bit tired. Uh, but I, you know... I'm just going to keep playing the same old thing. I need to go best of one. I know the match is still for pretty high stakes. You know, there's a lot of cash on the line and pro points on the line for every match in the top eight. So uh, I took it as seriously as I could. And, um, yeah, game one, he uh, had a reasonable hand of, I think, like champion Kitesail Freebooter Meddling Mage. Um, And I had a hand of two lands, Ancient Stirring, Scoos, I think one bolt and one dismember, or maybe just a dismember, uh, and a bunch of matter reshapers. If I didn't already say that, he uh, he kite sails freebooters me. I kill it in response so that he, d- he can still see my hand, but he doesn't take anything. Uh, I, I ancient stirrings. I whiff on ancient stirrings, which is really hard to Ooh, do in my deck. That's rough. Yeah, I'm looking for a land or anything. Just I didn't like blood right off, blood right off. I, well, bolt, I think I got bolt. a matter. I needed I needed a matter. I needed a land, and I whiff on a land. Oh, okay. I should say. So I got a matter reshaper, but he had already seen my hand, and he I have to reveal it off ancient stirrings. So the next thing he does is name matter reshaper with with um, meddling mage, and he basically him to turox me for three unless I can kill ah. that meddling mage. So it it was really rough. Uh, I I did not win that game. Uh, game two, um, we had a really really close one. I could not get him dead uh, with Keswick Wolf run out. Uh, I had a bunch of Thought Not Seers, and he had a bunch of humans and a Mantis Rider, and I could not quite get in for lethal. And that's part of the downside of the deck is Grove sometimes gives your opponent's life. Yeah. And you have to tap it because you're going to die if you tap Carpoos and Forests. You're generally, you know, the they're the beatdown in this matchup. So you really want to give them life because you're the inevitability. And so it, it was a really hard, tough spot on how I tapped my man. I might have been able to maneuver things a little better and be able to get him with Wolf Run. But uh, in either case, uh, they were close games, and I was just totally happy to be there. I was right. not I was not upset at all to lose. He was a great opponent. And, um, yeah, I well, hope top next eight's time. Top eight's crazy. Yeah, yeah man. I, I was super excited. I, I wish, of course, I could have won. But... Uh, he he played well and uh, I was just ecstatic. So, so yeah. so let, let's let's look at you know you 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 lost the top eight. Yeah, you, you made it though. Yeah. Seven pro points. Uh, I am locked for seven. I get four for the tournament and then I get three for just showing up to Richmond, Virginia for Pro Tour Dominaria. Okay. So I'm locked for seven. And PT Dominaria is what format? It is, I believe, standard okay. uh, standard Dominaria standard all the way from Kaladesh all the way to Dominaria. Yep, and then uh, Dominaria draft as well. Okay. Um, yeah. and so the top eight we got, it's crazy. This is the second tournament, I think for ma- modern, for modern that has had at least the second, I think it might even be more where they've had individual eight unique decks. Eight, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, in, in modern history for sure, but like recently it's the second. Yeah. That's yeah. Like, in re- like in the recent memory, I think it's at least the second too. And everyone walked into the format with, you know, two Jace decks, two Bloodbraid Elf decks. So yep. both cards showed up in the top eight. Yep. Um, knowing that this is the top eight that you would have been facing. Is there any changes you would have made to your deck ahead of time? Or, I mean, it really, it, walking out of the tournament, are there things that you would have done differently with your deck? Yeah, I think, I 
think Kitchen Finks, while it was a fine choice, it's really matter reshapers five and six for my deck. I think I would have been better off with a higher impact card. Um, there isn't a colorless card that really does what I want in that I would love a colorless Anger of the Gods. <laughs> but <laughs> they did have Cold Zilix Return. Yeah. But that doesn't kill Mantis Rider, and it doesn't kill some of the other key cards in the deck if it gets big off Thalia's Lieutenant. So mainly for humans, you know, you know, you can play another Dismember in the board. You can play a Kozilek's Return and hope you hit it early sure. enough. Um, that was the main thing I was worried about, is like these go-wide creature decks that had resilient threats that were faster than me. I felt like I didn't have enough game against them. I was like hoping to draw Bolt, you know? Yeah. Could you just play Anger of the Gods? I mean, you're you know, I could. Um, double color is a little hard for the sure. deck. Um, I am a three-color deck full and, th- uh, you know, through and through. I... Um, have a hard time many times during the weekend i had to name oof with cavern of souls just to get double green mm-hmm. to cast <laughs> kitchen finks um <laughs> but uh that was probably the hardest part of the deck actually was tapping your mana it was very hard sometimes sure. to figure out how to sequence stuff um i would say i would maybe add a couple angers and maybe one more dismember like like, like a split of anger and cozy like return maybe yeah that could like work little... you could find it off ancient stirrings which is really nice yeah. um i could see a split i can see um kitchen finks was just i honestly have i'm still i've been still talking to people about the deck because i feel unresolved about it there sure. are things i would like to change um the one endbringer one scoos um i think is totally interchangeable you can change it to whatever you feel like is good for that weekend and i think the card that i often boarded out the most was either Mattery Shaper or um, Eldrazi Obligator, depending on the matchup. Sure. On the draw, Obligator wasn't as good. And then Mattery Shaper, if it just didn't do anything and just was a 3-2, yep. it just wasn't good enough. Well, yeah, I mean, it, both of those cards, it, it, you do this a lot. I, I did this a lot when I was playing Blue-White Straight Control. Yeah. And you play Main Deck Remands. But Main re- Deck Remand, when you're playing Straight Up Control, a lot of the time is just mediocre. But yep. it's mediocre against everyone versus yep. other cards that are bad or good against other people. So yep. you kind of hedge your bets with your main deck and make it so you're playing a 75% of a card. Exactly. That's like fine, and it's yes. going to be good always. It's yes. just it's not going to be great. And then exactly. as soon as you get in your match two, you're like, okay, we know that Remand is no longer the best thing I can play playing because they're on Storm, so I know I need these cards that are good against Storm. Or they're on this other, you know, you can bring in your hate cards. And- you know, it's funny. I've played a lot of Modern and um, a lot of different decks in Modern, and this reminds me of Elvish Visionary and Elves, where it's like, this card isn't great, but it's what I always board out for the cards that are great. Right. And so right. Matter Receiver's kind of like that in this deck. I just like, uh, well, I'm going to board in these really, really impactful cyborg cards. I'm going to get rid of this guy. Yeah. Like a little 3-2. And, and, and like, it's almost, every time I've ever had that situation, I feel like I've done better in a tournament, and that's, and partly I feel like it's just from an exhaustion perspective, every yes. match I'm thinking less. Yes. Like, oh, like, oh, I already know what I have to sideboard out. Because it's always yep. harder for me to pick, take stuff out than to put, like, oh, yep. these 12 cards are great against this opponent, yep. but I'm not taking 12 cards out of my deck. How do I deal with this? And exactly. when you're like, oh, for, get out of these Elvish Visionaries. Get rid of these Remands. Get rid of these Obligators. It's a lot easier to kind of just, from a mental fatigue perspective, Absolutely. continue the game. And, and the sideboard's really streamlined with a lot of two of. so it, I felt another draw to the deck was how easy it was to sideboard sure. with it. So. Um, now, just the, let's look at the top eight. I mean, Humans won, wins. Yep. Humans obviously is the newest deck of the year. Yep. Jund now being the cemented biggest winner from the unbanning, it looks like. I mean, I think... It, we'll see. And Jace is a card that I think takes a longer time to figure out versus Bloodbraid Elf, which is just like jam for Bloodbraid Elf. Definitely agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, you know, they kind of said it. It took it took in standard Cobblade almost was a Lantern Control, Summer Bloom, Grixis Delver, uh, KCI type of deck where mm-hmm. all those cards 
like yes, yes, uh, Sword of Feast of Pinky came out, but the, the engine of Bloodbraid Elf, not Bloodbraid Elf, uh, Jace the Mind Sculptor, Jace the Mind Sculptor with you know all Squ- uh, Squadron, Squadron Hawk, Hawk was available. Yep, and some people played it, but no one really realized it was good until it like actually did well. Yeah. And you know, Jace is a card that takes longer to figure out what the best deck is for. Yeah, versus Bloodbraid Elf, which during that same standard period, people's yeah. biggest complaint was no one thinks who's playing Junt. It's too easy of a deck to do well because you just jam a lightning bolt into a into a putrid imp into or not putrid, putrid leech yep. into a blightning into a bloodbraid elf that cascades into another blightning and you win. Right. <laughs> Good right. job not thinking about your matchup. Exactly. Um, exactly. So you know just and you played it in this tournament. You just jammed for bloodbraid elf. Yep. And the card is absurd. It, it, it's really good. But I think. Uh, I th- I think if I had to guess the best home for Jace right now, I think it's I think it's some kind of Blue Moon variant, either through the Breach or not, and mm-hmm. then uh, bring the Light Scapeshift. Those two decks seem to really Take really appreciate Jace. Well, yeah, bring the Light or Scapeshift decks in general have always just needed one good semi-expensive dig card. Yep. It, where before it was the the best time Scapeshift had in Modern was during the dig Delve area when yeah, they had dig, dig through, through time. time. Oh man, and. Ooh. And they got rid of Dig Through Time, and they're like, oh, I have no way to dig for the thing I need to get to. Exactly. And Bring the Light kind of helped because you have a yep. second copy of Scape Shift, but Bring the Light is clunky in a five drop. And, it is. And, and, but having Jace in the deck and Jace offering that alternative game plan that Jace does offer to every Absolutely. deck it's in yep. really is feels really strong in Scape Shift. I agree. Yeah. Um, which, you know, got fifth place. <laughs> yeah, that guy was super good. I think he was playing all the basics in his deck, too. He was playing one of the each. white version with Supreme Verdict, and he had, I think he had one, at least one of each. He, he had, had pl- a planes. One planes, two, he did not have a swamp. Okay, yeah, but I think he was, yeah, he was playing no black. One um, planes, two mountains, three islands, two forests. But I saw him play against Blood Moon decks, and he just fetched every basic. Oh, like, yeah. I was super Yeah, yeah, yeah. through the entire I thing, like, I was like, I was this like, is that deck's so, you know, tight which, on slots. Which it, makes it, sense, because it, yeah. it has the mana ramp to be able to do it. The yeah. fact that you're playing two Farseek and... Secure Tribe Elder, Secure Tribe Elder yeah. and Search for Tomorrow. Yeah, all, exactly. all of those, just like, every Blood Moon opponent, you're like, oh, Blood Moon should be good against Scape Ship. You're like, oh, no, if they get a forest, they just can't lose. Exactly. <laughs> exactly it's they strange because because they get you know they need three islands so they can cryptic command yeah. things and the uh, cryptic commander blood moon and then they yeah. win yeah and th- that guy's a master by the way that guy had played that deck for such a long time oh yeah um, well, this, up it, until this tournament i love decks that are more one drop one ofs than two ofs or yeah. four ofs or three yeah, ofs yeah, where yeah, it's like too. you obviously played this enough times you're like you know what i need exactly one snapcaster mage i don't need yeah. more than that i don't need less than that i need exactly one yeah <laughs> okay yep. Um, so then after Scape Shift, we have Ironworks Combo, which yep, Matt Nass, Nass. said, and, and it just was the right time for it. This is yeah, moment. That, that's how he explained it, is that um, they d- it did really well in their leagues, and Stoning Silence was at a low, and, you know, they ha- even have four Nature's Claims in the side anyway. So they they thought the deck was really good and well-positioned, and they and they ran with it. A lot of people did well with, the, with that deck. Matt Nass was just happens to be the guy that top-baited, and yep. he's great with Combo anyway. So uh, Collected Company uh, oh, comes yeah, that, back with that, uh, Nightfall. Yeah, now I didn't take too lo- close of a look at that deck. Is that the one that has like every everything in it? It's got like the retreat to Coral Helm, Knight of the Reliquary, and Devoted Druid. It's and... got yeah, it's got Ghost. Wait, wait, it's got Knight of the Reliquary. It's got Retreat to Coral Helm. It's got Devoted Druid. It's got oh the Ballista Combo. It's got E Witness. It's got Reflector Mage and Spell Quellers to yeah, go off. It has Jason the deck. What it a has, deck! What a deck! Uh, Castle Wolf from oh, yeah, you need Castle Wolf from the go off. Yeah, it literally just is like every. It's it's the new birthing pod deck. Yeah, as that's far what as it I looks can tell, like. um, this is just it's counters company. Except they figured out that by playing Knight of the Reliquary, your deck is better. Yes, um, and it. Uh, 
I think it's a great deck as well. I was happy not to play it against it again. Um, I mean, I played against humans, but uh, it also has Reflector Mage, mm -hmm. which is not great for me. And Spell Queller, let me think. No, it doesn't stop the Cascade from, from Bloodbraid, so it's not the end of the world. But You uh, get one half. Yeah, you get one half. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but well, yeah. normally, normally, if yeah, you get one half. <laughs> yeah, you get one half. Um, the uh, that deck seems also super spicy, and I know he's been playing that deck a ton. Well, there's like Cord Coco decks. Yeah, it, and before that, Birthing Pod decks have always just been famous for playing. All of your creatures are good by themselves, but yep. then accidentally go infinite. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so it's like you have no problem playing. Uh, Devoted Druids and Duskwatch Recruiters and Knight of the Reliquaries because all those cards are just good. Yep. I, you know, and, they're good and value pieces. They, they're yeah. beaters. They they gain value when they come into play. They help you ramp. They kind of do a little bit of everything. Yeah. And then if you happen to get two of them and you then court or collect a company, you win. Um, and so the deck just is doing that game plan really strong. It's, it's not surprising to me that there's always just going to be a collected company Really, a court of calling creature deck yep. that's going to be good. And throw two Jaces in there. Why not? Yeah. I mean, you well, get once to you're in band, you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, you get to grind, you get to bounce creatures, you get to bounce your own creatures, you get to do whatever you need to do with Jace. Uh, the card's pretty good. The, the, that deck seems super, super hard to play and also really grindy. Yep. And there's a mono green Tron opponent, which I'm assuming you wished you played. Yes, one. I wish I had played against <laughs> it. Uh, but uh, he lost to Matt Nass, and I believe. Um, um, he wasn't too familiar with the KCI deck and could have maybe done things a little differently to actually maybe yeah, win that match. Yeah, there were some I things. Uh, uh, this is one of the top eight matches I was able to watch, and yeah. the matchup was like, oh, he board wiped at the wrong moment, and yes. because of that, couldn't win. But yes. it was just you. You know, that's the point of playing a deck like KCI. Yeah, is, exactly. is half of your wins. Like you, you have a deck that can win, and it's good, yeah. and it does what it needs to do. And then that first tournament, you're going to win 25% of your matches because people are like, oh, that's how the rules work. Yes. That's what Amulet Bloom was doing when it was doing it. Yes, because exactly. Because literally every matchup it was winning, it was like half the opponents would like figure it out in game three, but by that point, you're ahead. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, which thing do I need to counter? Which thing do I need to stop? Which thing is the best thing to remove? Do I need to remove the Primeval Titan? No, because it already went off. Yeah. And it got the lands it needed. There was a bunch of KCA at the top tables, and I was just going around asking my friends, you know, like, what do, do I do against that? this? Like, like oh, what am I supposed to do? Like, do I exile it in response to the triggers with Relic or what? Yeah, so um, let's kind of, uh, I, I think, and maybe neither of us are totally read up exactly on, what is the rules complication of... KCI. I, I did look it up, and okay. I am pretty well versed in it. I, Mr. Um, I am pseudo judge. I, I am actually a L one judge yeah. now. Um, but to my understanding, um, the way it works is they added six chromatic stars, or stars and spheres to the deck. Mm -hmm. And what you can do is, <clears throat> KCI is a mana ability, and it ta you know it, quote unquote they added, they added terrarians, two. chromatic yeah. sphere, chromatic. Well, chromatic sphere doesn't have this trigger. They added uh, terrarian. Chromatic Star yes. and Icar Wellspring are all the, when this gets sacrificed, you draw a card. That, that is right. Yeah. Um, but the, to my knowledge, the things that set the, the new the rules technology that goes off is you pay for the cost of activating Chromatic Star, say, um, with the mana from KCI, and you're allowed to overpay by sacking all your artifacts that you want to sack at once. So you do it at a speed that is like paying the cost speed, which is like faster than anything, faster else. than anything before anyone gets priority. And so they all go to the yard at once and everything that went to the yard that has a trigger involved all see each other. So like if you say you sack scrap trawler and mirror retriever and like a star and like a mindstone or whatever, mm -hmm. they all will see each other simultaneously and you can just announce which trigger see what 
all the time and they all go to your hand basically and it keeps it allows you to go off like a full turn earlier than you were previously able to to my understanding because of that interaction it used to be you had to do it a little more piecemeal with mm-hmm. kci and go like all right mirror you know scrap trawler sees this mirror, mirror retriever comes but back, because chromatic sphere and chromatic star you have to because you can pay for it during yes. the sack trigger you can then go off and grab things i b- believe that's right and it has to do i'm not sure it has to do with the fact that it's a mana ability but i, I well yeah it, it does it, it does yeah. for sure for sure the big thing is it's producing is, a mana is because ironworks ability to sack artifacts produces mana it's a mana ability which happens at the speed of tapping lands which you don't there's no responses or anything otherwise the game like breaks yep (laughs) um but because of that there's weird corner cases and it's not even that say this is new technology people realize oh it's more powerful if i do all of this at once and people can't deal with it exactly i'm not even sure they were playing chromatics chromatic stars and spheres before they might have been I'm sure not, i'm not a kci aficionado but because you don't um, have to pay the 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 speed of of mana doesn't i think matter if you're paying for anything because you can just make mana with your lands you just have to have priority and once you have priority yeah. no one can stop what you're doing yes because exactly. everything you're doing is based on tap making mana that's right um and then you just cast an ember yeah, and then you just slowly go off. I think he, uh, I think he might have pyrite spellbombed more people than he emercool people. I think he had a emercool in the board. I might be wrong about that. He has but... one emercool in the main. He oh, has, he does. Okay. Uh, yeah, one emercool in the main. His like three main win conditions are one hangerback walker in the main, one emercool in the main, and okay, uh, the uh, pyrite spellbomb that you yeah. rebuy using scrap trawlers and mirror retrievers. Right. I, th- I think in the back. modern super league, he had his Emrakul in the board actually. So his okay. main win con was pyrite spellbomb. Got it. Which is a, a quite has, a lengthy way. He has two Gurupur Aether Grids yeah. in, the, in the side That's nice uh, as his other win condition. Yep. And he has a Worm Coil Engine somewhere. Yeah. Yep. Two, two of those. Yep. Just a Worm Coil Engine. Uh, yeah, so that's 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 a pretty diverse topic. Did we get every every deck? Mono Green Tron, Green Knight Hate Bears we talked about when you yep. played against them. You are the eighth player on this list, yep. and we have not talked about your deck at all this whole podcast. Definitely <laughs> no. didn't talk about it. Uh, anything spicy from Jund before we just... Um, he, there was. I actually know Pearson. He's a SoCal grinder as well. Sure. Um, super psyched for him to make it. He had to uh, eliminate his his teammate to for the winning, and they had to play against each other. Uh, they no. drove together. It felt bad, but... He made it. He was playing more discard than the average deck and had zero Fulminator Mages in the sideboard. Yeah, zero Fulminator Mages. He did strange. have one run the last troll, which is yes, always spicy. Which I, th- I think is good for the mirror when he's expecting to play against Jund. Um, he also, it's good against control. It might just be, you know, and this is kind of my thought on mm. Fulminator Mage on the side after playing en- enough games against Eldrazi decks or, or really Tron decks is yeah. like that matchup's a loss anyways. The it's amount of really bad. It, he, like, he was so happy to have dodged me all yeah. tournament because we were at the top tables together the whole way. Um, yeah, it, it's just it, terrible. It's so bad, like regardless of if you're able to take out a few lands with full Mirror Mage yeah. that like it's almost maybe worth it to just like yeah, people, hope you dodge it and, and kill better other things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think you don't even, I think you shouldn't even board in Fulminators against my deck, so to speak. Yeah. But against Tron, obviously you do. But uh, he uh, he did really well, and he he mentioned that he he liked the extra discard that he had access to, and that's only one be... K command, which is interesting. Yep, one pulse in the side, one in the main. Yep, like it, it's definitely just a deck. Multiple that... times I saw him playing next to me, and I will say he had Liliana ultimates, yep. multiple going. So he had like the zombie, the zombie Liliana the last top ultimate mm-hmm. going, and he also was minus sixing uh, a Liliana. <laughs> and I actually saw him lose a game with both of those in play right next to me. Ugh. Yeah, he got attacked with getting injured a bunch of times through with sure. cryptic commands. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. That'll do it. Yep. Sweet. Um, that's it for the top eight. Yeah, yeah. This was so a crazy tournament. It was a crazy tournament. I still pretty surreal to me that it happened, and I feel like the deck definitely carried me a bit. Um, 
And I think uh, playing, you know, I'm really thankful to my days playing Red Green Eldrazi during Eldrazi Winter, just so that I could be like, more familiar have an idea of what's going with on. the deck. Yeah. Um, right now. Most played card in the tournament was Lightning Bolt. Uh, yep. Noble Hierarch was second. Serum yep. Visions was third. Fourth was Remand. Fifth was Aethervile. Sixth was Blood Moon. Oof. Seventh was Snapcaster Mage. Eighth was Cryptic Command. Ninth was your buddy Reflector Mage. And Ugh. tenth was Thalia, Guardian of Thraven. Man, where's the Thought Not Seers at? Guardian? Uh, Thalia might have a chance to become the modern, especially if we don't unban Stoneforge Mystic, which I think would be sad. If, but if, if Jace is fine, Stoneforge Mystic is fine. But Thalia uh, is definitely becoming the premier two-drop white creature. I would agree. Um... Um, yeah, so I think that this is an interesting most played creature was, you know, 10th place was Bloodbraid Elf. Didn't even make it to the That's top impressive. five. That's impressive. Dahlia's yeah. Lieutenant was above Bloodbraid. Meddling Mage. Well, there's a lot of humans here. Yeah, I mean, it is uh, a Actually, it's drop. the human deck. Yeah. It's like Noble Hierarch is the most played creature, then Snapcaster Mage, then three through nine are humans creatures. Yes. And then Bloodbraid Elf. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think um, humans is, you know, definitely a deck that I would look, I'm looking to be able to ha- improve my matchup against. I think if I were just any modern player, any playing any deck, I want to make sure I'm ready for humans. Yeah. And even Jun has a hard time against it, so... All right, so that's that's it for today's episode. Um, the main, I guess the 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 main question I have for you is where can people find you? You know, people can find me mainly through the shop. I, I tend to be a little bit uh, aloof when it comes to social media. I try to stay away from most of it, actually, but uh, that's becoming harder and harder these days. So uh, you can find me at Heidi Ho Gaming on Facebook. You can find me at Heidi Ho Gaming on instagram you can find me not on twitter unfortunately although that may soon change um and i'm trying to think of anything else you can always hit me up on facebook i, I, I think Michael it's Hughes. time andrew brown didn't have a twitter until he top aided a gp and then he made merc lurker so that oh, was like that, that was the moment drove where, by merc yeah lurker, yeah, yeah. Right. once he won a gp he was like well i didn't win no so. true but like i think <laughs> yeah i think it's time <laughs> yeah yeah a top so eight I, placement I gotta, I gotta fix that um but that's the main boys just outlets through heidi ho you can always get at me if you uh if you know me or have a personal question feel free to email michael at heidi uh, <laughs> that's i think the first email anyone's given out on the podcast you know, i think I, that's that's totally fine I, yeah. I, I, i'm fine with it um other than that yeah uh Thanks for having me, Alex. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. And I hope this was informative and helpful to some people. Yeah. Um, going forward with the deck, I think it can be totally altered to be more grindy, more aggressive, less... Yeah, um, what's what's like, if you had to say one thing to keep in mind always while playing the deck and one thing to uh, say as like the thing you would change if you could do it differently? Um, the one thing to keep in mind when playing the deck is there are very few hands that I would keep that don't involve Eldrazi Temple, Ancient Stirrings, or Noble Hierarch. If I don't have any of those cards... My opening hand, you know, some ways like Tron, I would, you know, I would mulligan. Sure, it has to be very. I mean, it has to be, you know, like bold, the right bold, matchup something or something with crazy. Like, like yeah. it has to be like a very high quality hand that doesn't involve those cards. Um, the other thing, the thing I would change about the deck, I think, you know, there is room to shave on Mattery Shaper and maybe a, a copy of Eldrazi Obligator just to be more grindy. Whether or not that's more Scoos or maybe a second or third Endbringer or. Going bigger, I've seen some decks running Chandra, Torch of Defiance, and Worldbreaker. Those seem interesting to me as options. I feel like if you can play Chandra, Torch of Defiance, you can play Anger of the Gods in the sideboard. <laughs> exactly. I, I don't know how that guy did it, but his mana base was different. I also think about playing a waste in the main if if uh, Field of Ruin and Bloodman become staples. So uh, Bloodman um, was in the top five most played yeah. cards of the tournament. And, Field yeah, of I, Ruin. I, I, I was lucky have to lands, dodge it. But I was lucky to dodge it. So yeah, I would think Field of Ruin is. Uh, 
quickly becoming one of the most played lands in the, in the format. Yeah, I um, agree. So, yeah. So, uh, great. Thanks for having you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, we will talk to you guys next week. And Dominaria's uh, preview season starts on Monday, I think. So, hype. Um, Super hype. All right. Thanks, everybody. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at the MMCast, at Cast Wiley, at Ben Bateman Media. Join the Facebook group. It's sweet. Please donate to the Patreon. We really can't do this podcast as regularly as we do without your help. Uh, make sure to check out Kest.co. It is all of the cool things. There's a hoop contest going on right now. It's not super relevant to you guys, but if you buy an ice hoop at a Target right now and film a video of you doing a cool move with a ice hoop, uh, you could win a trip to Los Angeles. You get to go to Harry Potter Land and Universal Studios. Uh, if you play Magic and you win this contest, it will also come with a draft of Unstable, and we will, me and Ben will be the people going with you to Universal Studios. So Sick. definitely, definitely uh, try that out. Uh, it's a random contest that has nothing to do with magic, but we are doing it, and my company's doing it, so I'm opening up to you guys. Uh, otherwise, we'll talk to you guys next week. Say bye, Michael. Bye, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to the MMCast at rocketjump.com. See you later, alligator.